Hello and welcome back to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on what's happening on the ground and to learn about new trends emerging within the construction industry. This show is brought to you in partnership with Place Engage, a data-driven platform for more successful public consultation and community engagement for your next development project. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by returning guest Robert Colloran of Robert Colloran Property Consultants to talk about the development land market. Robert, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. No, thanks very much for having me on, Carol. Um, so, Robert, you're always our go-to person when we're looking to understand the development land market. And understanding the development land market is very important for being able to accurately assess our pipeline looking ahead over the next year to two to three. So maybe we could just start by understanding how the development land market performed in 2023 and maybe what that can tell us about the future pipeline. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's probably underperformed uh, an extent and there's been a lot of changes there. So I suppose the, what you have is the the vulture funds, as you call them, are the, the, the large investors are being replaced by the state. And the state uh, as a body is coming, you know, it's 40 to 50 percent of of the apartment market anyway. Uh, so mm-hmm. I suppose it's the it's it's a new backer in town for a lot of the smaller developers. Um, especially in particular for the for the apartment market. So if you look at incentives that are there, you know, for apartment building, uh, free creating uh, and other schemes, if the state weren't there, these schemes, a lot of them wouldn't get built. And I'm talking about your your city centre, higher density apartment schemes. Uh, whereas I, I think just generally, the housing side of it is is strong and uh, the planning regulations for housing um, are probably easier. The fire rating, the fire stopping. And then I think even even with the housing side of it, there's, there's, there's huge improvements. I think the uh, increase in density, um, I suppose, reduction in wall to wall for 22 to 16 uh, metres in distance, uh, less parking more amenities, uh, smaller garden sizes. I think generally the planning is starting to turn, but it's uh, just slow. Uh, it's a slow turn. But in the meantime, a lot of developers are relying on the state for our approved housing bodies in a lot of cases for, for how would you say, a takeout. So, you know, they're yeah. looking at a scheme and they're assessing it and they're working out what it will take to to make it work and then they're trying to align with a an approved housing body that will allow them to forward fund the development and then build out making a profit but also providing uh you know a, a amenity so you know the likes of respond clue to a um, focus ireland focus ireland elderly they're they're all the end end users and they're bene- benefiting from the development market yeah, there are some really interesting dynamics and you touched on a few things there that I want to unpack because it's it's confusing. Sometimes the data coming out can be confusing. So only this week we learned, I, I don't think it's a secret, but, you know, it was reported that uh, Irish homes are just being built to a much higher standard uh, than the UK. And so that makes them more expensive to deliver. And on the flip side of that, um, in the latter part of, of 2023, Turner and Townsend had a report that showed that actually across the Eurozone, uh, Ireland had, I think, the second lowest labour costs, which was really surprising. So actually, that's pointing us to um, 
contractors being able to deliver projects and while there's a shortage of labor the labor isn't uh, the largest cost but actually you're looking at regulatory costs and delays as being really the 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 factors that are pushing projects into the territory of being uh, of not being viable and that's mm. a real problem at the moment um, so take the take the standards and regulate the standards out of it because you know we are um, there has been an overcorrection in terms of building standards, and we know why that has happened. And and it has been it has been necessary to improve, but perhaps we have gone into the territory of overcorrection. But the biggest systemic delay is planning. So yeah. when you're meeting people who are either buying or selling development land, what are they? You know, how do they interpret Ireland's planning system? It's changing, but at the same time, a lot of people are caught in 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 on board Planola or judicial review. It's it's the timeline taken. Like if you're an external investor and you're looking at Ireland, and then you're saying, well, okay, you have to get your plan with Dublin City Council, then it goes to the board, and then there could be an on board Planola appeal, and then the the big thing was judicial review. So that timeline could be you know three to four years, which is uh, it's not functional. And, and the big thing is the uh, the interest rate levels at the moment where they're at, and it's the cost of funding. So if you're saying to your funder that, you know, this development is going to take an extra um, 12 to 18 months to build out until you get your return, it's the cost of finding, financing that uh, development. And if you look at some of the larger schemes like Player Wills or Cherrywood in some cases or RTE, these are massive developers in there that can afford it. But at the same time, if it was a smaller developer to fund an extra 18 months or two years on top of a development plan, it w- w- would hurt you. Uh, mm. And then it's just the, it's knowing that you have a, a, a either a site with full planning permission that's ready to go or else having to agree terms with a subject to planning permission sale which will allow you better finance and forward funding and knowing that, you know, when I, you know, when I buy the site, I can build it out with 18 months and Irish water and connections and services and everything is all there. So that's, that's the big go-to at the moment. A, a lot of the sites that are selling are being sold uh, subject to planning permission or planning permission already there in particular, the apartment sites, because it's, it's, it's more difficult to, get planning permission for apartments. And then you mentioned also the regulations. So the regulations for apartments are tighter, obviously with fire stopping, fire rates uh, and the level of build uh, costs involved in them. So. When, when you're meeting sellers, um, are most of them selling because it was in their kind of strategic plan to sell or are they actually doing a U-turn? Are they changing their minds and not proceeding with developments that it had been within their plan to proceed with. It could be a case where they're not making enough profit on it um, and they might have a figure in mind where they want to get out. So they could have amalgamated a site at the right time. So it might be a case where they have a, you know, for instance, they might have a site and it could it could have had planning permission. Um, you know, they got planning granted for 50 units. It went to Mbora Planola. They'll only get 40 units in it now. So they could say, okay, if I can get 2.8 million for the site, I'll offload it and sell it because the margin of profit that they're going to make on it isn't enough. So it could be a case where there could be a planning change. 
you know, in some cases that's the case, or else it's a case that somebody's been, you know, working on a site to get the planning permission. They have the planning permission now and they have to sell it. But the big problem is, you know, you're trying to talk to a, a vendor at the moment and they were they were told that their site was worth X amount two years ago. And now you're seeing that the value of the site has to be reduced by 15, 20 or even 30 percent based on the cost of construction, the the finance costs, uh, the interest rates that are there. But I think what will happen is like the level of demand, the level of pent up demand is there. But at the moment, it, it's very hard to value a site when the interest rates are still uh, bouncing around the top. I think when interest rates start coming down a bit, your evaluation or your development appraisal of the site will become more set set in stone. So you can say, okay, it's not going to increase. If anything, the 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 value of the the cost input is going to decrease on the site and it become more more sure of making profit. Because a lot of people have been caught out in the rising market when interest rates have increased yeah. and their model or their finance model has been pushed back with planning. So, What does that tell us then about the people buying those sites and the companies buying those sites? Are Because I presume there's a difference um, in scale for maybe some of the smaller sites and some of the larger sites. Um, so who's who's stepping in? To take it's, it's, I suppose it's down to the risk level. So any developer has to take a certain, well, a large amount of risk on buying a site at the right time, but also looking at all the development variables, putting in your contingency of 5%, allowing for interest rate fluctuations. So there's a high risk involved. So what's happening in a lot of cases, a lot of smaller developers are relying on a takeout from an approved housing body and, you know, a respond clued to a focus Ireland elderly does 20 go-tos of it so they're so they're nearly lining up and agreeing a price now that will be paid on on practical completion for each unit uh each house each apartment site so that so they're nearly trying to de-risk uh relying on the open market um in terms of risk what are the risk risk factors that are kind of top of mind for developers right now because you know last year we saw and an over 18 months kind of interest rates was certainly a huge one regulatory uncertainty uh judicial reviews absolutely mm. for sure our planning regime um you know what are the risk factors that are rising to the top knowing that we're entering into an interesting political year as well it's still planning uh planning would be first and foremost uh, it's planning delays uh third party appeals and board planola judicial reviews okay i think that's getting fixed but at the same time you look at prime time you look at you know you look at guys who are putting the boot in looking for uh payoffs nearly to drop their planning appeals so you know it, it's 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 the it's the lengths of time that are that it has to take to finance a project if there's going to be planning delays and uh, the other side of it is okay you're going to have a general election in, in 15 months uh you know, and there'll probably be, you know, that that uncertainty. Uncertainty isn't good for any market. Um, mm. that's 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 another side of it. And then it's a case of uh, labor costs. I think construction costs are starting to come down in terms of materials. There's still a huge shortage of labor. I think you probably need, if you're going to meet the target of 120,000 units by 2030, we don't have enough labor 
in the construction industry in Ireland at the moment, maybe to reach that 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 level without, you know, I suppose modular building or different met methods of construction. But I think we're we're, we're going to be under pressure with planning and with uh, with labor to build out within that time frame. There's not enough um how to say there's not enough entrance into the construction market from from uh, schools, colleges or labor from that side of it. We, we need to import labor uh, because if you look at population growth, um, you're probably five point five million um, population is increasing 60,000 odd a year and uh, the requirement for housing i think we we only built 32,000 we're going to aim for 35,000 next year it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a cap we, we we can't fix it in the short term so it's going to be like that for the next year or so but there are definitely ways that could improve it and i think you touched mm-hmm. on it there actually by employing offsite um construction and other modern methods of construction mm-hmm. you know one of those would be modular but it's not the yeah. only you know it's it's one of a number of solutions there um, so that's certainly a way to scale without that dependency on uh, the same to, to uh, on labour to the same extent. And this isn't an Irish problem. This is a global problem, I suppose. Just it's worldwide. If you look at UK, it's the same. It's the same yeah, thing. Absolutely. There. Yeah. And I just saw last night in the Irish Times um, that uh, finally, I mean, it, it's been touted for a while, and it's been said on stages and panel discussions and at at government meetings. But actually, you know, it's now been formalised that Ireland needs to spearhead the adoption of modern methods of construction and offsite Mm. um, construction. And, you know, that's been championed through kind of a a direct build social housing programme. And that's coming directly from the the social and economic think tank task. So Mm. we know that that's one that's very influential in guiding government policy because this goes beyond, this goes beyond the housing department is all of the departments require buildings and infrastructure. So actually this, you know, and, and it's interesting, you touched on uncertainty in the context of uh, the political arena. And we know we're coming into a, um, a, a national a general election in the next kind of 18 months or thereabouts. Um, but what I'm seeing on the ground, because there was more fear about this a year or two years ago, but what I'm seeing on the ground now is there seems to be a better understanding that the housing for all targets, housing for all is a multi-party approach, mm. including Sinn Féin. So actually, if they if they remain the dominant party and do end up in power, actually, they have they have been party to housing for all. So there shouldn't be a huge change in terms of the targets. No, the policies are there. The infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, I think the policies are there. If you look at Cree-Cree, uh, uh, yeah. That's a very positive uh, shared equity schemes, affordable mm. purchase schemes. It's about 10 different yeah. moving parts to it. Okay, the, the problem is there's, there's, you know, there's so many people go for affordable housing that, you know, it could only be half or two thirds that apply for it will mm. will, will, will end up yeah, getting into the schemes. But at the same time, you know, Government have done a lot in 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 a short space of time, and and if that pressure, political pressure, wasn't there, you know, maybe they mightn't be as under as much pressure to perform to produce these. Possibly, yeah. But at the same time, affordable housing isn't a problem just in Ireland. You look at the UK, you look at other countries. It's 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 a case of you know, 
your mortgage lending criteria versus your cost of construction versus, but if you look at your standard apartment cost, an apartment built to sell in Ireland just won't happen because the cost of construction versus the sale price doesn't stack up. So without the government stepping in or without you know certain parameters there, the, a lot of these apartments just won't get built. Yeah, I know that that's a very fair point. Um, you know, we, we've touched on it there, but um, obviously planning has been a basket case in Ireland. Mm. Um, on board Panola has not been the, the, it hasn't been the leader that a planning regime needs. Um, so we have the new planning and development bill and it is the third largest piece of legislation mm. um, in Ireland's history. But it, it, the Irish Examiner have done a really good deep dive into the planning and development yeah. bill over the last uh, week or two. And um, they were they were documenting the 388 changes already mm. or amendments already put forward by the housing department. And it's now, don't huge. if you look at the yeah. context of it and even at that, they've uh, own a brain saying, you know, the six parts that they're missing or does it's not fit for purpose. So, you, you yeah. know. It's a it's a huge amount that they've done within a short space of time. So, you know, you have to give them some credit for it. But on the ground, your your home builders, uh, your developers, how are they receiving this? Do they think this is going to solve their problems? No, but they think it's an improvement. Um, so it, I, I don't think it's a, you know, everything's fixed, but I think it's getting there. Um, but in the meantime, you know, there's pent up demand you know, if you look at GDP uh, stable, employment is positive, uh, interest rates probably come down, level of inflation, you know, you can even, you can see it with your your materials, your construction materials, but just generally, you know, your your heating costs will start coming down, your shopping costs will start coming down. So, you know, towards the second half of this year, it'll probably become a bit more affordable or you might have more certainty in the market as to where we're heading. So that combined with planning policy will, will, will certainly help. And certainty is, is a big one for sure. You touched on something earlier as well. You just mentioned it. And, I, you know, and I'm curious, um, the primetime piece that actually exposed some of the uh, objectors um to be less than genuine. Yeah, I, it's a case. Yeah, but even how, at that, how surprised? How surprised were you? Because I feel like this is the worst kept secret, um, in in development in Ireland that actually, uh, the, developers have have had a really they've suffered from poor public perception since mm. the crash and, and essentially before that to the point where they didn't feel they could defend themselves. When they were being subjected to very mm. to very bad behavior, and prime time really exposed that. It showed that actually developers and home builders who were trying to develop de uh, de uh, deliver schemes were actually being essentially blackmailed. Well, being um, targeted oh, for yeah. the scheme, but it's it's too loose. The bars the bar in a lot of cases was too low, and anybody can object to a scheme. You know be it a wind farm, be it, be it uh, a data center, uh, you know, you know, you could have an objection coming in from Cork to something that's in Dublin that yeah. has no impact on person. But, and then you're wondering, why is the link here? What's the, what's the objection for, uh, or what's, you know, what's the cost level to, to raise a, a you know, um, 
uh, a judicial review of yeah. a scheme. So yeah, it, it, it highlights exactly where the you know where the problems are in in the system. Hopefully that that'll help implement changes that are there. But yeah. at the same time, you need a performing planning system within a set time frame. At the moment, we're trying to get there, but there's a, as I mentioned, there's a huge log jam mm. of smaller schemes in with a more planola that are just getting kicked to touch. Whereas I think the newer schemes in the next six to nine months will move quicker at a set time for the larger developers. But the smaller developers might be left behind or caught in limbo between the two. And then, then, as well as that, it's the infrastructure that's there. It's a case that, you know, this level of demand that's there, you know, you know, if you're looking at the, you know, the report in the Times yesterday, if there's 120,000 units there um, and they're targeting, you know, commuter belts in areas around transport infrastructures that haven't been built out yet. So you're talking about Metro North or DART extensions or, you know, in around that kind of commuter commuter belt hour travel time, you know, we're still behind it in terms of Metro North or DART extensions or extensions out to Drogheda or the likes of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the smaller developments that you reference because we know priority within a board and all is being given mm. to larger developments for the smaller ones that have been caught there for you know nearly a year sometimes longer will they need to be re-examined you know from a viability from in the context of local supply and demand in the context of the changing marketplace when the extent of the delay is that long by the time they actually do get looked at by on board panola are they going to be the right uh the, you know will that project be the right project for the environment knowing that there's been maybe an 18 month delay it certainly put a lot of pressure on the developer to make a profit. Um, so it'll hit their profit because the cost of interest uh, and funding it will be more. Um, mm. The only thing that they'd hope for is that might balance out with the cost of construction coming down. Maybe materials for construction might come okay. down or labour. But, you know, it doesn't benefit anybody to have a site sitting there for, for three, four years. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, and as I said, you know, the viability in some schemes um, you know, and then it's a case they're under pressure to build out because they're they're going to get taxed on the site. Uh, so that yeah. there's other pressures there. So you know, and it's interesting. Like it doesn't serve anybody, not the state, not the industry, and definitely not the end consumers because we still mm. have this chronic shortage of housing. Um, mm. Robert, I'm very conscious of time, but well, the, the, go- the government will probably have to come in and yeah. you know. Krina, uh, you know, the government are having to take up the slack of it. So the taxpayer is going to have to take up the slack for the, a lot of these sites to get built out. And that, then it's 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 you know, the same sites are being pushed to, you know, it's 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 the approved housing bodies that are that are being the end buyer. But these yeah. are for the, a lot of the apartment sites, whereas the the average home builder, you know, you 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 build a house, uh, the minute you, you finish it, you know, if it's valued for Four fifty, four hundred thousand to six hundred thousand. There's a sweet spot there, and if you look at the developers that are there, your your Cairn, your Glenways, they're building very high quality houses uh, in the right locations, uh, and they're all A rated up to a very high standard. And then it's a case with the densities coming in. There's a there's a push towards smaller housing units in further out locations. So. 
you know, you're getting more demand for your two bed houses, mm. you know, a smaller front and back gardens, less parking, less distance between houses. So it's you're getting more on the site, but they're good quality built houses at an A-rated standard. So. Absolutely. And I think uh, compact housing better reflects where Irish people uh, or people mm. living in Ireland are as opposed to maybe the high density that was trying to be pushed previously. So I think mm. uh, compact uh, compact housing is where, where we need to be looking at, particularly on the peripheries of um, our cities and going into larger market towns. Well, um, with COVID as well, there's been a move, a mm. slight move away from apartment living. And then, you know, if you look at it, the build to rent market, which was being driven by institutional investors, it's it's just not there because if you look at the price cap, uh, sorry, the rent caps that are in, and then investors, you, you know, you only have to look at some of the IRES REITs or some of the groups, you know, the investors want a return if inflation is higher than the the rent cap. Um, you know, a lot of these aren't attractive enough. You know, I, I, I'm glad you touched on that as COVID being a bit of a turning point, because actually I believe that it it genuinely created a shift in how what people want and what they're willing to do. And honestly, I'm not convinced over the last two decades, I'm not convinced that that Irish homeowners ever chose apartments. I think they would have all the vast majority of people were funneled into apartments because that's where their budget was and that's what the supply was. I think and it's I your think starter they would have market chosen. or it's your, uh, how to say, it's your it's your um, farm worker. Uh, but like if you look at Dublin Docklands in the background mm. there, you, you watch uh, Owen Riley's reports and you look at uh, how many buyers, you know, a lot of the mom and pops are getting out of the market. They sell on their apartment. Uh, a lot of the buyers are... Um, you know, foreign workers here. Um, it's, it's look, you can check the stats on it. Yeah. But, but yeah. there's a growing move, like the, the build to rent market. The 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 returns aren't quite there at the moment. Uh, for you know, and if you look at the price caps, uh, sorry, the rent caps, there, it's 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 not as attractive as it was in the last three four years. So so there's a new move towards it, and a lot of the move is 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 more going towards. House building are approved housing bodies. That's where the apartment market seems to be heading. Well, I know we're con- I, I'm conscious of time, but that is yeah. something I want to talk to you about, particularly when we turn our attention outside of Dublin to maybe some of the well to the to the greater Dublin area, but also to some of the regional cities and larger market towns. There's a really interesting trend of development specifically for social housing. And um, so you might just talk us through that. Yeah, I, I suppose it's it's a case that a uh, you know commuter towns, a lot of these commuter towns, the I suppose the, the 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 sale price for a house in a commuter town mightn't reach the the market level, but with an approved housing body, they'll pay that price level that will match the construction costs. So if you're in, say, Kildare. The cost of construction and build versus this resale price, the margin of profit might be enough. But if you're selling to an approved housing body, they'll pay that level because it's at that level. And then you're getting to other, you know, if you're looking at Cork and you're looking at development along the Docklands or other areas that are there. But generally speaking, the commuter belts, uh, a lot of the approved housing bodies are, you know, they're, you know, an hour and a half from Dublin, uh, you know, where they're borderline on on 
what what price level they can achieve in the market versus what's there. You know, if you're talking midlands, you know, an approved housing body might be prepared to pay that bit more than where the open open market for the house sale would pay. And it is just because I think the model is an interesting one because it feels mm. new, but actually it's probably a, a quite an old development model where you mm. actually have the home builders. So, I mean, we're saying developers, but the reality on the ground is that these are local home builders, essentially, most in, of the time. In most cases, they are. are. They, They're proven are they builders. Owning, yeah. Are they owning or buying their sites? Uh, well, the, the, the developer is buying the site, knowing that they've already an agreement in place with an approved housing body to to purchase the property on practical completion. But, you know, they're going to be building, like for most new developments anyway, 20% of the of the scheme is 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 effectively your part five. So this case, they might be building out knowing that, you know, 30, 40 houses in, in a certain area are going to be state-owned. And I can see smaller developers like Fitzhevy or somebody else, they're building these schemes, good high-quality schemes up to... A, very high standard, well built and passed on to an approved housing body. Okay, and we know the approved housing bodies are directly housing people from the local authority's mm. housing list. So essentially, it is the local authority's um, housing delivery. Uh, so it's hitting those targets. But in terms of, I, I suppose, the benefits, yes, you've got the benefit of your end customer, but are there other benefits? So for example, um you know, in terms of, is there a priority in terms of infrastructure or, you know, do we know, is this less likely to run into planning delays? Like, are there other benefits? Well, there's certain areas. So they'd have to be on good public transport beside uh, shopping facilities, you know, you know, in a certain case, but it can't all be the same. It can't all be an approved housing body because then it would create social issues, you know, so in different county councils, so be it Drahada, they'd they'd have a they'd only have a, a remit to allow a certain amount within a year and then it's capped. So everything is monitored. So you know you might have a, a window there or a certain amount that you can fill and then the rest will be uh you know built to sell. You know your your a certain amounts of housing states are built to sell. There's only you know a, a certain percentage that will be allowed uh, be sold fully for an approved housing body. But even recently, uh, people were up in arms with uh, Ryanair buying 25 apartments in a small scheme. But but it, it, it's all down to affordability for a certain um, for, for certain cohorts, you know, for, for your average worker. Yeah. What are you expecting? I suppose kind of final question, what, hmm. what are your expectations? And I suppose the, the expectations of the developers that you're dealing with for 2024 and 2025, knowing that we are in the political situation that we're in, knowing that the planning and development bill is still only at bill stage and we already have 388 amendments to that. You know, so what are the, what are the expectations and, and what can we expect for 2024 and 2025? Uh, I think there's going to be more uh, state purchase. Um, the you know, the land development, LDA, are going to play a bigger role in large-scale strategic sites. If you look at two of the big sales last year, um, you know, they were talking Plan uh, Griffin, 27 acres, uh, 38 million, Rock Beale Road, 
62 acres and swords, 30 million. So the state are coming more into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's the case that the the home builder uh, more move for higher density, um, two three bed housing, commuter belts, and 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 more more larger scale house building. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that area. You know, Clon Griffin, uh, swords, uh, commuter belt areas, but it's still there's still huge pent up demand. Like if you had a a new housing site in Swords. You know, there's huge demand there from 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 house buyers. Your 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 first time buyer market is huge. You know, the le- level of mortgage rate approvals. I think it's six, seven, eight hundred a week uh, are getting approval for it, and then it's a case that there's not enough supply there. So, I think the house building market or housing su- supply will be strong. Do we reach that thirty five level? Uh, I think we might be under pressure to do so. But I, I, I think, you know, there's demand in the market. The demographics are very strong. I think there's going to be more uh, subject planning site sales. And then it's a case as interest rates come come down, you might see more certainty in development. Uh, so you get a lot of the bigger developers that might have been sitting back, uh, wait and see, uh, or they might have been busy with, you know, five or six other sites and waiting till the market comes down. They might start coming back into the market a bit more. So I'd say a strong second half of the year, but it, it could be an, another tough uh, first and second quarter for the development land market. Uh, okay. With a lot of subject planning sales. Yeah. I, and look, I, certainty is kind of the, the magic word there. Um, are, are most of the development sites available, are they sold publicly in the open market or is there much happening off market? There's a lot off market um, because unless something has full planning permission, uh, like if you have a site with full planning permission, it you you put it out to market. But a lot of these, you know, most 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 people, most agents in the sales market, they kind of have a short list of who's buying. But yeah, there's still a lot of churn on the off market side. But a lot of that is smaller. What's happening at the moment is smaller site sales, um, than the big big tranche. Um, uh, you know, there's not as many, you know. 30, 40, 50, 60 acre sites being sold. A lot of the site sales are smaller, uh, but they're they're transacting along, but it's it's at a it's at a lower price level. So I, I think as the market goes on to the second half of the year, you might see um, you know, developers, uh, sorry, landowners that might have uh, gotten their planning permission, gotten it ready for market, and then you know, deciding that it's the right time to sell. So there's there's a bit of that too where they might say, well, it's the wrong time to sell in quarter one or two while the interest rates are still high. Let's uh, get the planning in order, get your paperwork in order, and and look to launch for sale later in the year. Do you have any interesting sites at the moment that you think have have? Yeah, plenty like potential? North County, Dublin commuter belts, uh, you know, apartment sites. But what I'm finding is I'm struggling to sell the smaller sites without planning permission especially for apartments, uh, you need to nearly sell those subject to planning permission. But any anything that's kind of commuter about or suburbs uh, for housing in particular uh, should should sell well. 
Very good. Okay, Robert, I always learn so much every time I talk no to you. And I, I think you, you really, when you talk to us about the development land, it it's a really good uh, kind of uh, bellwether guide to what we can expect in terms of new homes delivery kind of over the, the, the um, 24 to 36 months. So genuinely, thank you. I always appreciate those insights. And um, that's all we time for today. My thanks to Robert Colloran of Robert Colloran Property Consultants and also thanks to show producer Katie Tallon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. Also, thanks, thanks to Place Engage. Thank you, Robert. Thanks to Place Engage for making these conversations possible. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Breaking Ground. In the meantime, please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international shows on iProperty Radio. <laughs>